Welcome to What is Love? The Will Project would like to acknowledge that the land we are broadcasting from is the original homeland of the Piscataway and Anatoc tribal nations. We acknowledge the painful history of genocide and forced removal from this territory, and equally important, the consequences of such actions that persist into the present day that still affect such peoples. We honor and respect the many diverse indigenous peoples still connected to the land of Georgetown and the larger DC region on which we gather. Welcome back to the What is Love podcast and project. Last week, we set the foundation for our journey with self-love. We reflected on the fluid definition of self and we challenged ourselves by asking, what makes us us? We rediscovered that being rooted in choosing to be someone we are proud to be. Last week, I also asked you to write a letter of gratitude to yourself. Were you able to? Be sure to open that back up and read it. Ian from Leipzig, Germany wrote us a letter. I met Ian in 2014 when I lived a year in Volzen, Germany. We attended the same gymnasium, ate donor together, played in makeup, had slumber parties with night-long conversations. Ian went by a different name back then. And no matter how my very first German best friend identifies, I'll always cherish the memories we have together. Happy to know I found a lifelong friend. Ian is a native German speaker, but he wrote his letter in English just for us. He says, A letter for what is love, concerning gratitude, happiness, and being thankful. There are a lot to write about, especially since life has just so many aspects. This letter may even be a little challenging, but I think it will turn out rewarding. I encourage everyone to do such a letter to themselves as well. What I really learned to love about myself is my communication and people skills. Those help me find honest and loving people. The understanding of oneself and having understanding for one's own flaws and accepting those, as well as recognizing that other humans go through the same struggles as you do, helps to build meaningful connections. My ability to learn, understand, and push through the hardships like a warrior helped me in my self-acceptance and the journey of discovery. I got myself help when I needed it, gave myself time, and put expectations of others behind, as well as fighting to be myself. Throughout, I discovered a part of me I've hidden even from myself. The vague self-hatred and feeling foreign in my own body was due to me being transgender and I buried that deep in me. But I've let go of all that has been asked of me, all the doubts people tried to instill into me, and I am on my way to reaching the person I've always meant to be. I did it all for myself. My transition saved my life. So I did save myself, and I hope to do it every day a little bit more. It is a hard piece of work to unlearn society's standards that have been implanted into you especially when everyone around you echoes them back at you. But it is worth it for I am becoming a person that I am proud to be. So if I ever leave this earth, I'll be at peace with myself. Thank you so much, Ian, for your amazing letter and for sharing it with us on the What is Love podcast and project. We are so grateful for you. This week on the What is Love podcast, we'll be exploring the topic of how to love. There are eight types of love, and you might already be familiar with Helen Fisher's four love types and maybe Gary Chapman's five love languages. So let's start off with the eight types of love. Thalia, Philia, Storge, 
ludus, eros, pragma, agape. These are all eight intersections of a Greek theology of love. Fellatia is uh, self-love. It's interesting in today's society because with our cancel culture, it's really hard to navigate what self-love might look like. We often associate it with, you know, bigotry or ego or conceitedness, but that's not the case. There is a form of healthy self-love, a healthy fellatia that you could practice, and that's rooted in self-compassion, self-affection, and care. Phalia is an affectionate love. It's a love that you often feel for a good friend. This is the one of playground fun in elementary school and just enjoying the companionship of another person. And that can also grow and develop throughout life. Storge is a familiar love. It's similar to Phalia, but it's the love that's shared between child and parent or siblings or any other family member. It's this affection and deep appreciation of the familial individuals that are around you. Ludus is a playful love. It's often associated with infatuation. It could be that butterflies and tummy feeling when your crush walks through a door. This is what scientists most closely associate with the chemical reaction of when someone experiences love. It literally is equivalent to doing cocaine. It's your brain on a high. Whew, that ludus sure is powerful. Eros. Eros is a romantic love, and Eros was also the Greek god of love and fertility. The Greeks were very cautious of Eros love. This is the one that's often associated with physical attraction, sexual desires, and passion. It's a hot, intense, burning love, and one that might burn out fast. But then there's pragma. Pragma is an enduring love. It's a love that matures and develops over time. It's a love that continues with us and with another person through a longer period of time. And then lastly, agape. It's a Greco-Christian term referring to a highest form of love. It's an unconditional type of love. It's altruistic, selfless. It's also associated as a spiritual love. We can experience any of these eight love types at any point in our lives towards a person or things. You can experience that ludus butterflies and tummy feeling for a passion in the arts. Every time you step on stage, you love doing it, that's why you do it. You can experience Eros love toward a celebrity. Do you remember your celebrity crush when you were in middle school or high school? Your wall covered in the posters, you praying to the gods that maybe he'd see you in the crowd of other screaming girls? Yeah, me too. Or you can experience Thalia toward a friend that you met when you were in university and you experience a really intense kinship towards them and you really appreciate who they are and you look forward to spending many, many, many semesters or even years with this person. So we can experience these types of love once again at any point in our, of our lives and they can grow and develop and change and switch. So it's important to be aware of those eight grounding types of love and maybe even reflect and see where you notice each one in your life right now. It'd be a fun exercise. We went over the eight types of love. Now, Dr. Helen Fisher is an American professor of anthropology. She studies love and through her discoveries, she was able to create what she describes as a theory of four love types. 
there are explorers, builders, directors, and negotiators. She's got these down to a literal science. Through her studies, she's discovered that explorers tend to have more dopamine, builders tend to have more serotonin, directors tend to have more testosterone, and negotiators tend to have more estrogen. What are these four love types? What are their traits? How are they similar or different from one another? Well, firstly, given what someone might be determines how they might perform their self. Explorers are often associated with words like adventurer, spontaneity, traveling, fun. And because their chemical makeup is predominantly dopamine, they seek a playmate and a lover. So they often seek other explorers. They are often linked to motivation and goal orientation because they are linked to enthusiasm, energy, focus, and assertiveness. And because explorer types are sometimes prone to boredom easily, they always have to be on the move. They like discovering places and cultures and people to quench their curiosity. However, it can be quite a challenge when two explorers come together. A spark ignites and they have bold hearts on fire. However, if they don't learn patience down the road, they might often get into a head-on collision and it can result in many messy breakups. The best thing that an explorer can do is to practice patience and reflection and attempt to maintain healthy and fair relationships. Builders are serotonin heavy and they're often associated with words like family, morals, values, honesty. A builder is probably that high school couple that's still together to this day, happy building a home. They tend to be relaxed, social, steady, and family and community oriented. They're natural networkers and they respect rules and authority in society. Explorers, on the other hand, are more rebellious in nature because they enjoy the risk of breaking social norms. Builders are natural planners and they like to schedule things ahead of time. They have an eye for detail and are linear in the way they do things in a step-by-step -step fashion. They're concrete, fact-oriented thinkers and stick to tradition. They make great managers and administrators. And builders are also often attracted to, what do you know, other builders. While the high school sweetheart couple sounds idealistic, it doesn't mean builders don't have their fair share of obstacles to overcome in relationships. If builders are too stuck in their rules, schedules, and traditions, they may often butt heads and bicker over what they perceive is the right way of doing things. It's important for builders to remain flexible and keep an open mind. Directors are often associated with words like intelligence, geek, ambition, politics, challenge. And because their chemical makeup is predominantly testosterone, these people seek a mind mate in their lovers. Directors are straightforward, tough-minded, and decisive. They value logic. And when making decisions, they are not easily swayed by emotions. They enjoy competition and are pragmatic, focused, and highly ambitious. And they can often be associated as the independent individuals. And they might even come off as lone wolves because they can tolerate extreme isolation. Directors rarely even go for other directors. Instead, they go for their opposite mage, which is a negotiator. This is because directors lack the verbal and people skills negotiators naturally possess. And this attracts them to one another. The director and negotiator typically make a good pairing, but problems can still arise. Directors for instance, might have workaholic tendencies and may neglect to spend time with negotiators and their families. 
In order to fulfill the relationship, they need to learn what it means to use their hearts instead of their heads. Negotiators are often associated with words like kindness, empathy, learning, reader. And because their chemical makeup is predominantly estrogen, they seek a soulmate in their lover. They're known to be philosophers of the love type group because their high estrogen level provides for webbed thinking. This connects them to a vast array of ideas, concepts, and theories. It helps them think naturally in abstract manners and provides them with a vivid imagination. They're habitual daydreamers. And they're also very intuitive individuals. While the directors trust logic, negotiators trust their intuition and they tolerate ambiguity and have strong mental flexibility, generally agreeable and emotionally expressive. They are altruistic and highly skilled in detecting subtle nauseances in people's faces and body language. They make natural psychologists. However, they can experience problems in their relationship when they dwell on casual comments and criticisms. It can cause them to hold grudges for months or even years and are susceptible to depression and can sometimes overdo it when they constantly feel lost. Despite all of this amazing research Dr. Helen Fisher has conducted, we still only know a speck about love. It's such an enigmatic concept and it needs more scientific research and explanation to understand it a little bit better. Ultimately, relationships is about choosing your partner and choosing them over and over again. And it should be rooted in kindness. These things aren't cookie cutter and straightforward. You could experience or come into contact with any of these individuals. Besides, we all have dopamine, serotonin, testosterone, and estrogen in our bodies. And so it's not easy cut and go. However, what it really says is there's still so much to explore and discover. So continue to look into these four love types to see the people who express some of these traits and which that you find you are expressing too. Gary Chapman is a writer who wrote the five love languages. We don't give and receive love in all the same ways that we need. So he articulates that speaking the same language or at least learning the language of the people around you is very important. The five love languages are words of affirmations, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. You might already know what your love language is or how you would like to receive love. Receiving gifts is different from acts of service. While gift giving is a form of act of service, acts of service are usually beyond just a tangible item. Some people prefer quality time over words of affirmation. They like to spend time next to their partner. While some people want to spend themselves next to their partner, I'm talking about cuddle sessions. Yes, don't we love a great warm hug? You can see the five love languages in your life every day. And it's important to know the types of ways that you love others and the types of ways that you would like to receive love. Oftentimes, being able to know these things helps us to better care for the types of love that we experience in our life. Going back to the eight types of love, Felicia, Thalia, Storge, Ludus, Eros, Pragma, Agape, each of the ways in which we love can be seen in the types of love we experience. For example, Storge, familial love. Your mother might really enjoy quality time. She might like to sit down and drink tea with you in the living room and talk about how your day has been. Or Eros, you might spend a lot of physical touch with someone you have Eros love for. And acts of service, fellatio, for yourself are important. Make sure you schedule in self-care. Words of affirmation 
is a love language that expresses love with words to help build up your partner. They're usually verbal compliments and they don't have to be complicated. The shortest and simplest of practices can often be the most effective. I love your hair today. You make me feel really warm and fuzzy inside. I love you. They can go a long way. On the other hand, if you are often a person whose love language is receiving words of affirmation, negative or insulting comments can really hurt. So be sure that you're always expressing in ways that uplift someone and critique them in ways that are constructive. Because there's a major difference between saying, I don't like the way you do X versus, have you considered trying doing X this way? Very different ways of communicating. Acts of service is actions speak louder than words. It's a love language that expresses itself by doing. So it's like cooking a meal for your partner or doing the laundry, picking up a prescription, you know, little things like that. But tell your partner, I appreciate what you do and I'm here to support you. They could be done positively with your partner's ultimate happiness in mind, but it can also be considered an expression of love. Actions out of obligation, however, can have a negative tone and are something else entirely. Receiving gifts isn't necessarily materialistic. It just means that a meaningful or thoughtful gift makes your partner feel loved and appreciated. Something as simple as picking out or pointing out their favorite ice cream after a long work week or horrible tests can make a huge impact. Quality time, personally, my way of expressing love, is about undivided attention. No television, smartphones, or distractions. It doesn't mean that you don't curl up on the couch to watch Netflix, but it means that you're dedicating your time together without all the distractions. In my experience on Georgetown's campus, we as students barely have time to do anything. So using my time to spend it with friends is really important to me because I don't have a lot of it in my normal schedule. And making the conscious choice to spend time with people that I care about is my way of saying, hey, I value you and I'm going to make sure I work you within my life because I want you in my life. And every time you cancel a date or postpone a call or just aren't together, it might present a problem for this person that expresses or receives quality time as a primary love language. You can always utilize the other love languages to express love. And lastly, physical touch. Those who don't like PDA might not like physical touch, but those who do enjoy holding hands, hugging, cuddling, or kissing. If physical touch is your primary language, or physical touch is a primary language that you like to give, be sure to always get consent. Consent is key. A verbal yes or equivalent expression is important. Once again, we explored the eight types of love, Fisher's four love types, and Gary Chapman's five love languages. Knowing these different thematic approaches to how to love helps us to practice a better form of love toward ourselves, but also towards our world. Once again, thank you for listening to What is Love. We are very grateful for your support and exploring and engaging with the topics of this podcast. We invite you to engage more deeply by listening weekly, following our Instagram at W-I-L underscore P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and attending one of our social events. Next week on What is Love Podcasts, what is self-care? We'll be exploring the ways that we can develop habits to care for our emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health and well-being. Be sure to spread the love and tell your friends and family about the Will Project. Above all else, 
reflect deeply on the themes presented, and be courageous enough to love yourself just a little bit more. Bye!